Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Maria Ross, who is a brand strategist, author, and speaker who believes cash flow and creativity are not mutually exclusive. She's the creator of Red Slice, where she advises startups, entrepreneurs, and small to mid-sized companies on how to craft irresistible brands. Maria is the author of Branding Basics for Small Business, How to Create an Irresistible Brand on Any Budget, and her humorous and heartfelt memoir, Rebooting My Brain. So welcome, Maria. Thanks for having me, Linda. I'm glad to be here. So tell us, and, and you know, we hear so much about brand. I talk about brand. Everybody talks about brand. But in your mind, what is brand really, and why is this so important? Does it matter to the small business, or really should only large businesses work with, with brands and work, the ones that have big budgets? Well, I think the less scary way to look at brand is to think of reputation or impression. So no matter what you have, whether it's a business or a nonprofit or, you know, you have an online-only business, for example, you want to create an impression, you want to build a reputation, and that's all brand really is. So people get caught up in thinking brand is just their logo or brand is just their tagline, but really brand goes deeper than that. It's sort of the soul, the essence, the personality of the business and what it stands for, who it serves, and how it's different. And it's communicated through all the things that we normally associate with branding, which is the colors, the logo, the visuals, the design, the uh, tone of the copy. What happens often is that businesses tend to, to flip it and try to do the branding tactics first without any grounding in what the brand is actually trying to communicate and to whom. So it's a lot easier when they, when they build their brand strategy and then can go forth and make really targeted, focused, effective marketing decisions. And that's why I do think it's important, no matter what size company you have, because ultimately you're going to have an impression in the minds of the people that you're trying to reach. What do you intentionally want that impression to be? And more importantly, what is the experience that you can authentically deliver? You know, I'm so glad you said that because I, I find this so many times, and it, it sounds like it's illogical, but so many organizations start with tactics. They just want to go out and execute, and mm -hmm. they don't have the strategy first. And you're absolutely right. You know, what should the brand be? What image? Uh, and, and I love the way you talk about reputation and impression because, to me, brand is – is what's left when you're not in the room. I said, exactly, that's it. It's the mind share, and it, it, the way you said it is perfect. It's, it's what happens when you're not in the room. How are people talking about you? What are they thinking of? You know, are they thinking of the right things when they think of your product or service? Absolutely. So given that, where should a business owner or a marketing team start? And, and we're talking probably on the smaller side of businesses here. Um, not huge Fortune 500 companies, but a business owner, where do they start when, when building this brand strategy? What would you recommend? Well, in, in the book that I wrote, Branding Basics for Small Business, I outlined a, a very simple 10-step, 10 10-question 10 process that they can begin with. But you could even distill that down further to the three main things, which is who am I talking to, what value do I deliver to that audience, and how do I want to dress it up? 
What's my vibe? What's my personality? So for me, I think the most important aspect is to know who your ideal customer or client is. Because if you don't know who you're talking to, you don't know how to reach them, you don't know what's going to attract them, what's going to resonate with them, and at the end of the day, why they're buying. So knowing who that audience is, knowing them intimately, creating ideal customer or client personas is the key place to start. Then once you have that, you can figure out, okay, based on who I am and what I'm good at or my, what my business is good at, this is what I can deliver to that audience that they care about. And that's the value component. What are the benefits that we give to those customers or clients that we want to tout in the marketplace? For example, you know, you can look at a big company like Nordstrom versus a Walmart, and they both sell clothing, for example, but they lead with different benefits. You know, Walmart leads with low prices. Nordstrom leads with quality and excellent customer service. So even if, you know, 9,000 other companies are offering what you offer, you have to figure out what, is, what am I going to go out into the market leading with to attract the right people. And then finally, you know, the fun stuff, how are you going to dress it up? What is going to be the brand personality or vibe? Is it going to be formal and um, conservative? Is it going to be playful and whimsical? What authentically resonates with that ideal audience? that you've determined. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's so important because you've got to know who you're talking to and what you're saying because there's room for Walmart, there's room for Nordstrom's, there's room for mm-hmm. a lot of other companies, but there's not room for somebody like a J.C. Penney, for example, that, that just doesn't send out that vibe and they, they don't talk about their value and we're not even sure who they're talking to. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, and, and this is all the stuff that you talk about in your book, too, about marketing above the noise. If, if you're going to try to appeal to all people, you're going to end up appealing to no one because exactly. no one's going to know what to make of you. They're not going to know where to slot you in what I call people's mental file drawers. You know, JCPenney's a great example. You know, where do we slot them? Are they, are they sort of like a Walmart? Are they sort of like a cheaper Macy's? Are they trying to be customer service like Nordstrom? We, we don't know. And what I always like to say to my clients is a confused prospect is your competitor's customer Absolutely. because they're not going to take the time to try to figure you out. And if you can't clearly and concisely articulate who you're for, what you offer, and why they should care, they're not going to take the time in their busy lives to try to figure you out. You're absolutely correct because we've only got a few seconds, maybe even short, shorter than that, to really say, hey, this is something I'm going to pay attention to. That's why I work with my clients to figure out uh, what their ideal customer or client persona is, and not just in a broad sweep demographic. You know, I target women between the ages of 25 and 60. You know, that's not going to help you do targeted marketing. That's going to cut through the clutter. So really, you want to figure out who these people really are as you write a blog post, as you introduce a new product or service. Who is Jane? She's 42. She lives in Redmond. She's got two kids. She enjoys wine and time with her friends. Um, She works as an HR manager. You know, those kinds of specifics will really help you create a targeted brand that will resonate with real people rather than something that people will most likely gloss over. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. So tell me, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see in entrepreneurs and small business people when they're trying to build their brand? Well, I think number one for me that I've seen in all the years I've been doing this is what we just talked about, which is too broad of a customer target. Um, So it doesn't mean you can't sell to other people. You know, you don't want to pick a niche where there's only five people in the world that are going to fill that niche. 
but it's about really knowing who your customers or clients are on a personal level and, and making them real because you're, you're going to create content, you're going to create marketing campaigns, you're going to create products and services that are actually going to appeal to a real person. So it, it, it does you a disservice if you think, oh, I'm just trying to capture as many sales as I can. I want to target every woman out there between the ages of, you know, like I said, 25 to 65. They all need this product, and everyone is not a market. As right. much as you'd like to believe that everyone in the world that needs what you've got is going to buy them from you, the reality is, I mean, look at our own lives, right? We all buy shirts. We all buy pants, but we buy them from different places. Why is that? It's because different buying drivers appeal to us, different uh, brand personalities appeal to us, and different benefits appeal to us. You know, one person might buy shirts from a very eco-friendly company that only uses 100% organic recyclable materials. Another person might want to buy a shirt from a company that uses the finest quality silk and materials and sourced from Europe or whatever it is. It depends on the buying drivers of your audience. So that's the biggest mistake that I see people make is trying to go too broad with their target audience. So what are, in terms of, of uh, tactics, let's talk about tactics. Suppose you've got mm -hmm. the branding strategy right. Uh, mm -hmm. What role do you see for social media, which we hear so much of, everybody's so focused on social media, as well as content marketing? How do you see those really playing into this whole equation of building a, a, a nice small business brand? Well, once upon a time, I used to say to clients, you know, just because social media is the shiny new object, it doesn't necessarily mean your brand needs to be on social media. As, as in, but, it, you know, think times have changed, and um, we really, for the bulk of the people that we're trying to reach, social media is going to be really important. Now, if you're marketing to my 86-year-old parents who are not on social media at all, then that's a waste of your time. But chances are you might be trying to reach someone who could influence those people, and therefore social media might be a good uh, mechanism for you. But I think the most important thing about just overall social media and content marketing, marketing is it's not about the cheesy sales pitch anymore. It's not about, hey, I don't know you, but buy from me. Um, it's about creating a relationship and building that trust over time. And that used to be the way some businesses you know, operated, and they were very successful. Now I think it's kind of standard practice that – if you want to build a brand and you want to connect with an audience, you've got to prove value over time. You know, the consumer base has gotten used to free content, you know, free value. I can get on the Internet and I can look for something and get the information I need. So instead of trying to fight that and just, no, I'm not going to give you any content or any value until you write me a check, it's about, okay, what value can we deliver to prove that we know what we're talking about, to prove we can deliver the benefits that we can deliver, and also to showcase our brand personality and voice. And the easiest and best ways to do that is through social media and content marketing. So the mistake that people make with that is, oh, my gosh, I've got to be on like 16 different social media networks, <laughs> you know. <Yep. laughs> and I always advise clients, stop skipping the stone on the water and making a, a dent as you go. You want to go deep. So instead of 16, pick two or three that you really think that target client or target customer is using. Listen to the conversations. Don't just jump on there and start creating content. Do some listening for a while and see what conversations are going on. Look for the hashtags. Um, 
identify influencers in that space on that particular channel. Then once you are kind of well-versed in how things are working and with the conversations that you can jump into, then you can start delivering, well, these are the questions people are asking. Let me deliver content. Let me put out posts. Let me engage this audience in a way that I know is already happening versus trying to, hey, look at me, I'm on social media. So, um, you know, people, I think, feel a lot of pressure to be on all these different social media channels. And really, it's really important to do a few things really well than, you know, 100 things really poorly. So you want to get traction in in the tactics, in social media, in whatever content you're creating. You want to specialize in a few things and build a consistent, clear, and engaged audience in those channels over time. Absolutely. I, I think you're absolutely correct. And, and one of the things that I, I, I think people get stuck in is they, you're right. They want to be every place, everywhere. And let's just, it's like a kid in a candy store. Let's try everything. Right? <laughs> exactly. And experimentation so, is good, right? But you have to, you kind of have to see what works. But at a certain right. point, especially if you're just one person, you, you can't really do your work and try to be, you know, everywhere at once. Absolutely. And I think you're right about you need to combine where your audience is and where you feel comfortable. So it's a combination of those so you can come through and be authentic and represent those brand values. So, Absolutely. Can you give us some examples of brands that are, are doing things right, particularly we, we hear of Nordstrom's, we hear of Apple, and we, we even know Walmart, but um, how about some ones that maybe aren't on the, you know, the kind of the top ten list that we hear all the time? Well, and that was a great thing. In my book, I got to feature a bunch of different case studies of smaller businesses. Um, and one woman that I featured in a case study in my book is a psychotherapist in L.A., and she created a brand that was very different from her competitors because she's obviously in a very crowded market. And what she did was she took her personal philosophy and mission and, and made that the, the brand tenant, which was, you know, make – lemonade out of lemons, which sounds trite, but she named her business Lemonade Counseling. She uses the lemon imagery in everything from her website to her business cards. She um, takes her clients to to restaurants in the area that have lemon in the in the name. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, she takes it to the nth degree, which you know you don't have to. But the idea is, you know, now she shows up at networking events and she's the lemonade lady. Like yeah. people know her, and. And that's a brand that attracts a certain type of client for her. And, you know, when I, when I interviewed her, I said, are you afraid that people won't take you seriously or, you know, what have you? And she said, no, because the people that get it, they're my ideal clients anyway. Right. So, you know, which is so important. Your brand does not have to appeal to everybody. It just has to appeal to your ideal clients. So she did a great job of, of creating something that stands out in what is a very, very look-alike market um, where, you know, you could just gloss over and forget half the therapists that you meet in L.A. You remember her. So she's one of the, the many case studies I had in the book that I wanted to highlight of people that, you know, didn't have a lot of time, didn't have a lot of money, didn't necessarily even have a following, some of them in my book, when they started and created a brand very thoughtfully and intentionally and just made sure that every action they took was consistent with the brand strategy. And that's, that's really where the, the beauty of creating the brand strategy up front comes into play because then the decisions you make take you further. Absolutely, absolutely. We've been talking to Maria Ross about uh, branding for small businesses and 
how do you create an irresistible brand on any budget? So, Maria, if people wanted to find out more about you and your book, where would they go? They can visit my website, red-slice.com. I would love for them to join my email list, The Juice, and get weekly insights and inspiration. Um, they also get a little freebie when they do that. But they can get all the information they need. I've got a free blog on there, some free resources, and then also they can check out the books and my services as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Linda. I appreciate it. Great. We've been talking with Maria Ross from Red Slice about branding. This is Linda Popke. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.leverage2market.com.